So, last week, we began a series, which it's really weird when you're not here to start off the series that you've been planning all summer. Uh, but last week, we started off a series on prophetic voice. Rick introduced this idea of prophetic voice, and maybe you'd heard about it before, maybe you hadn't. Uh, but I wanted for the month of September, for this first month that we're back here at 8U, to talk about this idea of prophetic voice, because I think it's something distinctive in our Christian tradition, but also because there's been so much that's been going on in the world. Um, I've been thinking about this really since the end of the spring semester, and with everything that happened right there at the end, with here on campus, in the world, um, I thought it would be good to start off by talking about this Christian imperative to speak truth to power, to use prophetic voice to speak the truth in places where it needs to be heard. And when I say truth, I mean a capital T truth. I wrote it in here with capital T. You can't see that. And to me, that's not just things that are true, because you know there's true things that are true. But this is God's truth. This is the gospel imperative truth. This is the truth of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of God. This is the ultimate truth. And we're called to speak that truth to power. Sounds like fun, right? It actually does to me. I love the idea that we are called to be speakers of truth. As United Methodists, we actually think this is such an important part of the Christian faith that we include this in the baptismal vows when we say that uh, we accept freedom and power God gives us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. That's one of the first things that we say as uh, about-to-be-baptized Christians. Um, and if you didn't say it for yourself when you were baptized, like for me, I was baptized as a baby, my parents answered these questions on my behalf. But then when I went through confirmation, I answered them for myself. And I said, I accept the freedom and power God gives me to resist evil, injustice, and oppression. And that means we've got to take a stand sometimes and speak truth. But how do we begin to figure out what that truth is? Because, I mean, let's be honest. Most of us, all of us, pastors, theologians, the entire history of Christianity, a guy named Karl Barth wrote a huge tome on what is the truth. I got one of his books in my office, and it's this thing, and that's one of them. We've been writing for generations and generations and generations trying to break down and understand the truth. Now we have the gospel and we have the Bible as our core source, that's our primary source, but you know, much like the disciples with Jesus, sometimes when we read the text of the Bible we don't get it right away. And so we have to study, and we have to seek to understand. We go through something, I'm going to use a word tonight quite a bit, called discernment, which if you're not familiar with that word, is a churchy word for saying, figuring things out. Um, except it's kind of a little more spiritual. It's about spending time in prayer, um, talking with uh, friends and pastors, 
seeking the advice of those who are spiritual teachers uh, and taking all of that before God and seeking to find the way forward, whatever that might be. So prophetic voice comes in because it's this thing that we're called to do, but we have to figure out what that prophetic voice is first. Because, I'll be honest, it's really easy for me to get up here and talk and say Joey's words. It's really easy. If anyone who knows me knows I love to talk, probably a little too much. It's probably why I like to be up here. But we have to take time to figure out what it is God is actually calling us to say. What is God teaching us? that we need to share. What is that capital T truth? I don't know how many of you have ever tried to do a puzzle without the box. With just the pieces in front of you and trying to put it together. Well, I would suggest that trying to use prophetic voice without really taking the time to discern what God is calling us to say is a lot like having that puzzle without the box. Because the discernment process is what helps us see the bigger picture, the whole picture. Not just that one piece and where it might go, but see the picture of everything that God is calling us to say. And that's why I picked Nehemiah for this particular text. If you don't know the story of Nehemiah, it's actually a really cool story. There's the book of Ezra right before it. They go kind of hand in hand. But Nehemiah is this guy who decided God had called him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So the people had been in exile and the um, first generation was just beginning to return from this Babylonian exile. The people had had been separated physically from their spiritual homelands, from their spiritual places, from the truth of God in a way, because they were divided from the temple. The temple had been destroyed. That's what Ezra's about. Ezra rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls. And while it wasn't forgotten, it wasn't proclaimed in the same way. They didn't live out their faith in the same way, because the temple was such an integral part of the Jewish faith. At that time, they needed the temple. It was the center of Jewish life. It was the house of God, literally the place where God lived, behind the curtain of the Holy of Holies. In fact, it wasn't even until Nehemiah 8. So today's text comes from Nehemiah 2. It's not from Nehemiah 8. After the rebuilding of the wall, after the rebuilding of the temple, that the Torah is read finally to the first settler who had arrived. But long before that could happen, before they could begin to speak the truth of God again from this holy, holy place, Nehemiah set out on a journey. Starts out by going to Artaxerxes, so the king, and saying, so, I think that I should go to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. Now, think about this for a second. You're talking to the king, and you're saying, I should go back and build walls around the city. 
And maybe that might make the king a little nervous. In fact, as the text we read, it did make some other folks very nervous because they're like, well, what are you doing? You're rebuilding walls. You're trying to reestablish the power base. Are you trying to take over? I don't like this. It made people nervous. But Nehemiah steps up to Artaxerxes and says, I want to go. I feel called to go and do this to build these walls. And so he does go back to Jerusalem after getting permission. And when he's there, he does something interesting. He goes out at night by himself. Now, he had had um, military folks sent with him to go and protect him. And Nehemiah is going out at night by himself with one animal for himself to ride. And that's it. And he also didn't tell anybody what he was going to do. Because Nehemiah realized he had to do something before he began any of his work. Once he had to prepare, he had to survey the land. He had to go out and literally walk the walls of the city, examine the gates, watch for the weak places, see the places that were strong, see the places that had to be rebuilt, see the places that had been burned down. Nehemiah had to go and walk to get the lay of the land and figure out exactly what it was that he was being called to do. He needed the full picture so he could do the task that was before him. How we begin to find the prophetic voice to seek God, to go out and survey the land before us, to look for the places that God is calling us to, to take in what it is that is going on around us, to understand fully what the whole picture is. It's that time of prayer and discernment when we're asking God, not just what do I want to say, but God, what are you calling me? Part of this is when we think about this is uh, sometimes what sparks that moment, that inspiration of prophetic voice is a singular incident. A moment, something happens, something triggers something in us that says, I have to speak now. Now, that singular incident that sparks this moment of feeling called to speak, well, that's an important moment because that's the lens through which we can begin to see the bigger picture. But it's important to also take a moment and step back and say, is this just one incident that is just isolated, that has nothing to do with anything else? Or is there more going on? I think about it in the difference between a singular incident and a systemic problem. It's looking to see not just what happened this time, but what led to it happening this time, and why is it going to happen again? Finding prophetic voices, looking for that opportunity to not just speak to the singular incident, but to the systemic injustice that creates the opportunities 
for more injustice. And so we go out and we survey the land. And we get the lay of everything. So that when we speak that truth, we're not just speaking truth to that one moment, but we're speaking truth to the real injustice that is the systemic problem. I want to tell you a story tonight about uh, someone I think I've mentioned in previous sermons last year. Uh, but Reverend Joe Daniels, Reverend Dr. Joe Daniels, is um, an incredible pastor here in D.C. He uh, pastors a church called Emory Fellowship. Uh, it's up on Georgia Avenue. You know where the Walmart is on Georgia Avenue? It's like a block up from there. Reverend Daniels was appointed to serve this church 25 years ago. When he was appointed to serve this church, it was a small but faithful congregation of folks who met every Sunday, and that was about it. And they were in the midst of a community that didn't have a Walmart, that didn't have gentrification yet, that didn't have all of the new development that is going on there now. And he showed up and said, okay, God, I'm appointed here. These people, what are you calling me to do? Well, part of this community struggle was that right outside the door of the church, literally outside the door of the church, there was major issues with drugs. This is the 90s. And some of the, uh, the crack epidemic that had hit the uh, impoverished areas of D.C. And then you had just the struggle of the poverty in this neighborhood as well. Because like many neighborhoods in D.C., uh, and especially in that time, there was a lot of poverty. People were struggling all over the place. And so when he looked out, he said, what do the people need here? This is a place of hope. Emory's kind of a special church because it was built on a small hill. So it's a little bit up. And it kind of looks over the community. And it gets to be this place that's a beacon for the community. A sign of hope. And so he set out to make a difference in this community. And long story short, is there it was a vision that came out of this process of seeking to figure out what to do in this community, how he could be that prophetic voice in the midst of all that he couldn't stop. He certainly couldn't stop poverty, not on his own. He certainly couldn't stop a drug epidemic on his own. The police that were just a couple doors down from the crack house couldn't stop the drug epidemic. So what did this community need? They needed something to hold on to. And he came up with this idea called the Beacon Center. Now, the Beacon Center broke ground last year. He started this 25 years ago, approximately. He began visioning and dreaming of this place that could be this prophetic word to this community that needed hope that needed a place to hold on to, a place of strength, a place of
place of comfort, a place of family, a place of home, a place that was safe. And that is the Beacon Center that is currently under construction. And the Beacon Center is not just a building that they're building. They actually have gutted their sanctuary building, their whole church building, and they're putting up 99 affordable housing units because they realize one of the things their community needs most desperately places for people to live who don't have them. So they're building places for people to live. And they're putting in a community center with community nonprofit space. And they're putting in recreational space. So that this is now going to be a place where people live and work and play. And from that, there's hope for this community. They're a sign that transformation can happen. And, by the way, a sign that you don't have to move out of the neighborhood to have that transformation. Because we all know gentrification, as it brings in new development, tends to push out folks. And this is a community that's saying, no, this is our community, and we're going to stay here. And we've worked really hard. They, they've done a lot of other things over the last 25 years. They didn't just vision this. They've helped people get off drugs. They've helped families who've been in need. They've helped folks who needed just a meal. They've been doing this work for years. And now, after 25 years, finally they're going to have this thing called the Beacon Center. Now, I bring that up tonight because prophetic voice comes in lots of different ways. I believe this building of this building, not of the church's buildings, but a building in this community is a sign of hope. And it's that prophetic word without words being spoken. Because of the lives that are going to be touched for generations because of what they have committed to. And it took 25 years of preparation so that this word could be spoken for generations to come. Sometimes it takes a long time to do the work of walking the walls. Sometimes seeking to figure out what it is God is calling us to be and do and say takes time. But I want to be clear here. You don't have to spend 25 years figuring out what it is God is calling you to do. Because especially if it's something that you are particularly familiar with, you might only need a quick check-in with God. You might only need to stop and say, God, I feel like there's something you're placing on my heart. May the words I'm about to speak be your words. Maybe that's all the prep work you need because you already know the label. But the important thing is to take that time to focus on God and not on me. To not react out of my emotions but to find that God-given word that is in place on our hearts. When we do that, that's when we really can begin to speak that capital P truth to power. That's when we can begin to truly embrace that prophetic voice that God is calling us to use. And it's not about the length of time, it's about the quality of time. Like I said in the beginning, it's easy for me to get up here and just talk. 
it's much harder to speak with a pathetic voice. To say something substantial. Honestly, I can guarantee it, it's almost every pastor's fear on Sundays. Well, anytime we preach, but when we get up and preach, to say something substantial, to be prophetic, to speak truth, it's a little terrifying. But it's also this incredible gift to be able to say, God has called me to speak, and now I need to say these words. So next time you feel that nightmare, that call, I want to invite you just to take that time, to be like Nehemiah, to walk the walls, to survey the land, to know the full picture. And then prepare and open your mouth and let the word of God flow through. Amen. doing offering. I'm so lost. Kayla was our intern last year. Can you go over here? This is the part of the service where y'all get to respond to the words that Joan spoke, to the words that read, to the words of our faith. Um, we talked about several ways to do that in the Methodist Church. Your prayers, praying for the community, the school, the nation, the world. By being present here, by signing the fellowship pass so you can find out what else is going on throughout the week, um, by witnessing and sharing your story of when you've seen God throughout the week, or the month, or your life, which you'll have an opportunity to do in a few minutes. <laughs>